This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. As the Supreme Court begins a new term today, the justices are, once again, set to debate what bodies of water qualify for federal protections. Sackett versus EPA represents the fourth time justices will take up the question of which streams, creeks, bogs, and marshes fall under the scope of the Clean Water Act, a debate that has a long legal history. The court's decision carries major implications for various industries like mining, oil and gas, and home building, and it could impact everything from drinking water quality to flooding to habitat health, while also potentially limiting EPA's power to enforce the Clean Water Act. So today we check in with Politico's Annie Snyder about the specifics of this case, how the court's new conservative majority could influence the outcome, and the implications for industry, the environment, and the EPA. It's Monday, October 3rd. So this has been a long-running battle over the scope of the Federal Clean Water Act that has basically been going on since the law was passed in 1972. The environmental statute sets a broad range of programs aimed at protecting the chemical, physical, and biological integrity of the nation's waters. Everything from permitting programs for anybody who wants to discharge pollution into a protected waterway or fill in a protected waterway, to penalties for anybody who, say, spills oil or chemicals into a protected waterway. But Congress did not provide a clear definition of what is and isn't a water of the U.S. So there have been three cases that have made it to the Supreme Court getting at this question. And the last time that the Supreme Court ruled on this, in a 2006 case called Rapanos, they could not reach a clear consensus. That ruling left basically nobody satisfied. There have been a series of rulemakings from the Obama administration and the Trump administration and now the Biden administration trying to interpret that Supreme Court ruling. And now the Supreme Court has decided to take on this issue again. So what are some of the particulars of the dispute in this case and what it's centered on? Yeah, so the case that the Supreme Court is hearing on Monday is Sackett v. EPA. This is a case brought by an Idaho couple, Michael and Chantel Sackett, who in 2004 bought property near Priest Lake in Idaho with plans to build their dream home. And pretty quickly after they began construction in 2007, EPA inspected and ordered them to halt construction because they were impacting a wetland that EPA said fell under federal protection. This is a wetland that sits just 300 feet from this lake that is clearly a navigable lake and that EPA has shown is hydrologically connected to another set of wetlands that is connected to the lake. And what the Sackets are asking the court to do is rule that the Scalia opinion from 2006 is the one that should be followed. Lower courts have generally said that it was Anthony Kennedy's ruling that is supposed to be followed. But the Sackets are saying, no, no, it should be this much narrower definition of protected waterways that the conservative wing of the court led by Scalia endorsed. Or the Sackets are also offering their own new test for what could be a threshold for protected waterways. And the test that they propose is even narrower than the Scalia opinion. Gotcha. And so this isn't the first big environmental case that this conservative majority 
court will take up. So why are environmentalists fearful that this case could be a sequel to the court's June ruling restricting EPA's ability to regulate greenhouse gases? Well, because this is a very different court than the one that ruled in 2006. Anthony Kennedy was the swing vote in Rapanos, and he's no longer on the court. In fact, none of the liberal justices that backed this much broader definition in 2006 are on the court anymore either. Instead, we have a six-justice supermajority of conservatives that, as you say, in June issued a major ruling limiting EPA's ability to regulate greenhouse gases. And I think a lot of environmental lawyers look at that climate change ruling and see a court that is eager to either make new law or correct what they see as improperly interpreted law when it comes to environmental regulations. I think that they see a court that is very hostile to federal authority, and particularly federal authority when it comes to environmental regulations. And what I will say is I think that one of the reasons that environmental lawyers see that in particular in this case is because the lower court's ruling in Sackett, the Ninth Circuit's ruling in Sackett, was really exactly the type of ruling that we've been seeing lower courts issue on Clean Water Act cases for years, ruling that the Kennedy opinion was controlling. And so the fact that the justices opted to take this case up now signals to a lot of environmental lawyers that the high court is eager to weigh in on this issue and do so in a very different way from what we saw in 2006. Right. And so implications of this case, I mean, what could this case mean? What kind of impacts could it have on various industries throughout the economy? Yeah, so I think it depends on who you ask. So on the industry side, a far narrower definition of which waterways fall under the Clean Water Act stands to be a huge boon. Environmental permitting and Clean Water Act permitting in particular is one of the most time-consuming and expensive parts of a project, a lot of developers say. Anything from mining to oil and gas to home building is going to impact waterways. There are going to be, under the broad definition of waterways that are protected, there are going to be streams and wetlands within the footprint of a project like that. And so if the scope of federal protections vastly shrinks, then so too do the regulatory hoops that they have to jump through and the expenses associated with them. On the flip side, environmentalists say that without these environmental protections, you're going to see more pollution into waterways, more wetlands getting filled in, and potentially impacts on the nation's drinking water. Also, a government shutdown was averted on Friday after the House approved a short-term government funding patch and President Joe Biden signed the measure before a midnight deadline. The lower chamber cleared the measure in a 230 to 201 vote, funding the government through the midterm elections until December 16th. The Senate passed the same measure on Thursday. The bill additionally provides billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine, heating assistance for low-income families, and funding to help the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. It would also provide short-term flexibility for the Federal Emergency Management Agency to disperse money at a higher rate from the Disaster Relief Fund to help respond to disasters like Hurricane Fiona in Puerto Rico and severe flooding in Alaska. Moving forward, the measure buys time for congressional negotiations on a broader government spending deal that would increase agency budgets. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow.
This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. Energy demand is on the rise. That's why Chevron plans to increase its oil production by 15% over 2021 levels in the Permian Basin, all while continuing to reduce both carbon and methane emissions intensities. Learn more at chevron.com slash Permian Production. 